Welcome to another episode of uh, my podcast. And uh, as my um, regular listeners will, well, I almost said rabid listeners, but as my regular listeners uh, will know, I'm always delighted to have my guests on. And today is no different. It's brilliant to um, have Greg Smith, um, founder of uh, Mixtech uh, from Imparta, very much part of the sales enablement, sales effectiveness community. Greg, I feel I've known, I have known you for ages it feels like um and have actually met you in person before when people could uh, uh, could do that and today we're going to look at the question can you or can one be a student uh, of sales uh, before i get into that uh, greg as always i go who what why when how where something to that effect um give a bit of more backstory that's led you to kind of creating mixed deck and then we'll see as always where this takes us yeah, cool thing. Yeah, and thank you for having me. And, and yes, we 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 go back what five, six years, maybe something like that. Our, our first meeting at the Ned. Yeah, when we, when we could actually see people. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, Greg Smith. I've I've spent my career very much at the intersection of sales training and sales technology. Um, I have actually held sales roles as well from um, an SDR, or back then it was LDR, lead development rep. Uh, with that was with IBM. I was an account executive with Qualtrics. Um, and a partner manager for a small OEM tech company uh, in Banbury called White Springs. Um, more recently and, and currently, um, I am head of digital offerings for a, a company called Imparta out of London. We're a, a, tr- a sales training as a service company, so we have a subscription model. I manage all of our tech that kind of supports the, um, the, 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 the subscription model that we offer and, and all the content with it. Um, I've... <clears throat> I've got sort of a, I've been working on a sort of passion projects on the side um, and it's come out of kind of two two areas firstly it's um, this this uh, interest I've had in this academic space you know people are teaching sales as a as a degree now um, around the world we, we can get into that in more detail uh, and I just think that's that's really amazing and I wanted to contribute to that in some way um, and then the other element to this is this concept of self-enablement that I've been working on um, which is, I, I kind of see it as the next wave of self-guided learning, um, giving more and more uh, power, I guess, um, of choice and selection when it comes to methodology and, and even technology to the actual individual versus just the masses. And so um, you, you mentioned Mixtech, that's a, a platform I put together, which is basically taking that self-enablement concept and putting it out there to the academic space. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of where I fit in. That's where you fit in. Cool. And uh, recently got married and just back from honeymoon. That's right. Many congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. About the Spanish word for esposa is also wife and handcuff. But let's not go yes. down that. <laughs> let's yeah. not go down that route. It's very so the new. Reason, <laughs> the reason. Um, I wanted to get you on because I've been meaning to get you on this for uh, uh, for a while, which is my ineptitude at getting being uh, organised. But if I think about my journey into sales, I fundamentally fell into sales. So when I was at university, I studied French and Spanish. I didn't. You didn't. You can't study sales per se as a subject like you can i guess marketing or business or um law or or accounting which is a a profession which i'm doing inverted commas for those that are are listening where you have a a piece of paper a qualification at the end of it which says that you are qualified in this because sales most sales people i would suggest kind of fall into sales because there's kind of not there's nothing else to do but they don't really know what to do and you see we were just talking about the kind of the the influences out there in terms of the money that can be 
uh, that can be made. My late father was in sales and it afforded us a, a half decent um you know living for me and my uh, for me and my my brother and he was in software sales so i thought what of it and then if i reflect on how i kind of learned or been trained it was either um well you just learned by <laughs> by fire in the world of kind of real estate or estate agent and then the recruitment you know glenn gary glenn ross that eight minute clip with alec Baldwin, abc was pretty much our, our training video there's a phone there's a list call We'll give you two weeks and see what happens and then you mentioned kind of methodologies and so on and then subject to the methodology that was flavor of the month <laughs> felt like um that and i guess the investment that your employer was prepared to put in terms of selling that was all the kind of training that i have had a kind of learning on learning on the fly as it were and I think it's really interesting in terms of what you're looking to do around approaching the academic community. So academia in terms of the round, so not only professors, but I guess the students, you know, students as well, in terms of this is actually fundamentally and should be, I believe, a, a vocation and a profession. And you have the likes of Andrew Huff, who leads the Institute of Professional Sales, I believe it is now, in terms of pushing UK government around uh, around all of this. So where do you where do you believe this can go and i guess that's wrong wrong order of questions can one be a student of sales do you believe yeah yeah it's, it's a good question and I, I think going back to your original point about the doctors the lawyers the accountants that there is a qualification at the end you know there's legal requirements right there are right and wrong answers in those fields um and so it's never going to be like that sales it, it's a more experiential thing, I think, than a, a sort of accreditation. Um, that said, um, you, you also made a point about how you kind of, a lot of people just sort of fall into sales. I, I you know, because they didn't know what they wanted to do. And, and I'm like that. I went to school uh, or university uh, in, in the States. I did a marketing degree because I'd seen Mad Men and I thought, well, Don Draper was kind of cool. Um, but like those jobs don't exist, right? So everyone's going into marketing and then coming out and ending up in, as a SDR. Um, and so I see the opportunity in the academic space less about that qualification. Yes, you get a piece of paper at the end of that, but a lot of companies aren't even requiring a degree anymore. Yeah, well, no, um, <laughs> which, which is brilliant, really. Um, however, you've, you've got a four year period there, or three in the UK, I guess. Um, where you've got this captive audience um, where they can be prepared. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's, it's less about that qualification, it's more about being prepared for, for this, this role, which is very practical, mm -hmm. very experiential and very hands-on. And so that's what really excites me. And I'm not an academic and, and you know, I, I did decently well at school, but I, was, I just, I don't know, I normally found ways to hack my way through a, into a good grade. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so you know, I look at what some of these programs are doing out there, and you know, one of my favorite professors, Robert Peterson at NIU, he, he doesn't show PowerPoint and textbooks and stuff. He, you know, he's got people doing improvisation, you know, improv in, in class yeah. and doing weird stuff. Sometimes they go out to the park, park and just have the class there. Um, <laughs> really wacky. I mean, it is in Chicago. It's just down the road from Second City Works, so it's really in their blood in that program to do all this improv. Um, yeah, at Baylor, um, Andrew Dixon's program, they've got students selling sponsorships to their um, their athletic events uh, and uh, career fairs and things like that. So they're, they're actually giving these people 
true selling experience. I mean, they've got Salesforce, they track their leads, they're, they take yeah, them through a sales process and they actually close deals. And when I first heard about that, I thought that's really scary. You've got you know, an 18-year-old representing your, your university. Like, you know, you've got, you've got to think about your brand there. But um, yeah, I, I just see opportunity there. Whereas I think a lot of programs still and a lot of, a lot of people out in the professional world will look at that and think, and think through kind of elitist lenses that sales isn't an academic thing you know that's for people who get into college or something like that and I, you know and, and maybe that was true back in like the 80s or something like when my dad was coming up and it was the glenn gary glenn ross kind yeah. of thing but i think that's all changed i think that the stigma around sales is if not completely gone it's fizzling um and it's taken more seriously and but but we have to be realistic that it isn't a law degree. It's not an engineering yeah. degree. It's not a pre-med or it's not it's nothing like that. It's it's always going to be slightly different, but it's it's legit. It's where the jobs are. Um and I think a lot of universities are, are starting to think that's where a lot of money can be made because mm-hmm. companies are taking note and they're thinking, I can save a whole lot of my recruitment fees if I just go and work with these universities, sponsor their okay. sales program. Yeah. And, and instead of this you know, shotgun approach that they have to do now um, with all their recruiters, they can just really target and partner with these programs and create almost like a farm league, which that's an American expression, but like in their, you know, baseball teams, like they call them farm yeah, leagues yeah. Um, or, you know. An academy. Like academy, a yeah. Like a, like a football academy, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, that's kind of where I see it. So, I, yeah, I absolutely do think you can be a student of sales and, and it's, it's kind of one where you never really graduate either because yeah, well, you constantly, <laughs> constantly learn, right? And change is a continuous loop. So, yeah. So I think it's a resounding yes. And again, I completely, I, I, I guess where I was going with the qualification piece is yes, like a doctor or a lawyer, um, you know, you, you, there are things that are fundamentally you have to be qualified in because it yeah. means lives or, or this or that. But I, I guess it's that, and I know this is what, um, you know, the Institute of Professional Sales is trying to go towards is more like SEMA. So it's more like marketing in terms of um, you, you are you have gone through recognized courses and training and development so that you are you know, a piece of paper is a piece of paper, right? But, you know, you've gone through a recognized body, which has recognized your skills in terms of that um, area of expertise around um, marketing, for, for example. And to your point, um sales actually and i know that it's things like ethics and trust and all that kind of that kind of thing is actually key in, in a sales role and i think that's half the challenge around the sales industry is that when you are having to work with or deal with organizations or situations where that is not being um, exhibited and there's absolutely no recourse whatsoever to to said individual other than lots of people getting ranty or the deal not happening i do feel that there is a there is an opportunity to have something where it's this person has been accredited in this and they uh, if anything to protect the organization that they are working for it's a bit like it's going after all the risk training you know internally in the organizations it's it's, it's, a, it's a one has to do it but if that employee then goes and does something they shouldn't do the organization go well they did their risk training and they passed all that and, and, and so on but i also in terms of the fact that and i hadn't really reflected on this and this this is this is right for most industries let's be honest but actually sales is is super exciting because there's always something new always changing you can actually move you can move industries probably and by industries i mean what the product or service you're selling 
really easily if you are a good salesperson, um, right? And I think that's the opportunity that 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 also presents itself. But what I like about what you're doing with Mixdeck is a the way that it's being um, presented, and I'll put the links here somewhere for people to go and have a um, uh, have a look at. But the way that you have thought about the opportunity that again i hadn't thought about that kind of academy play that rather than hiring people you're spending three to six months on boarding them and they fail and that's been a three to six months kind of waste of time effort on anybody on energy even 12 months on any any part if you can start to bring these people into an sdr role or even full cycle role but you know they've already gone through um i want to you know, training degree some course there's some kind of evidence that by the time they get to 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 sitting and making that first call they know roughly how to construct a cold call or they know how to write an email i mean i know we were debating about email scripts and all this kind of stuff you know offline as it were but they understand sales engagement platforms or cadences or they understand how to kind of you know pull this all all, all together i believe that you know that would be a really valuable thing to 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 be doing so what what has the response been from academia in the round in terms of, you know, mixed tech and what you're doing and what you're seeing, the varying kind of events that you've um, been yeah. to? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we're very positive because we're, we, there's a huge momentum shift. Like um, the, these programs, you know, the, the, the growth is, I don't know if it's quite exponential yet, but it, it really is starting starting to boom. Uh, companies are taking notes. So they're, they're, they're la- anything new you can bring to them is going to help them. Mm-hmm. They, they'll, they'll lap it up. But um, yeah, just yeah, just a quick point on on those things that you know the company's looking and they they know that these people have been through some sort of training. I think that's huge, and I think I I think that's why I'm quite passionate about that space because you can move the needle for a student, you know, for an 18 to 23 year old mm-hmm. massively compared to you know someone who's 45, yeah, you know, and, and selling, um, you know, like like in the parts of the world, you know, we we train you know professional salespeople. We're never going to move their their performance needle, you know, eighty percent or something. But we don't need to, right? You, you can move yeah. just percentage points, and that, you know, based on their quota, is 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 what we need. But I like that you can take someone from completely knowing absolutely nothing about selling yeah. to to someone who's hireable, right? I think that that's really really huge, and so people are taking notice of of that, and and the momentum's there. And so, you know, I I've been speaking at different events about. What, what I've been working at, like uh, I was at the Sales Educators Academy recently uh, in Birmingham, kind of presented this whole self-enablement concept of mine, and it just landed really brilliantly. By the time I finished and I sat back down, my LinkedIn blew up and someone was, there, there were various people saying, I'm using this in my class next semester. Um, and so what, what, what excites me is too is, is that while this is for academia, like I, I intend this to be something that's usable by these, these students. Mm-hmm but after they graduate and you know i want it to be their first click resource from the time they are a student all the way to the yeah. time they retire we don't really have that there's not this platform there's not a place to support your sales performance you know the development throughout your, your whole career you know you go and work for a company a and you're given salesforce and mind tickle and some lms and all these different tools and then you change job you have to hand it all back yeah you know I mean, it doesn't come with you. It's just really weird to me. So Mixtex is designed to be that thing which you start to, that you use to kind of build your own sales DNA or, or yeah. fingerprint mm-hmm. and take that with you and, and, and tweak it as you go. 
the same way you do with LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is so successful because you own that. You own LinkedIn. I own LinkedIn, right? It's my yeah. account. I don't have to hand it back. If I've got Navigator, sure, I might have to hand that back if I change yeah. jobs. But um, I think that's why that's so powerful. And so Mixdex designed to be like that. And I think that's why it's had such a positive result. You know, it is, it is a freemium thing. And, you know, I'll think about revenue stream later. I, I think that the purpose right now is to do something really cool and good. And it's my passion project. It's on the side. I, I have a day job that I love. And so um, it allows me to, to experiment with this thing and not have to worry so much about uh, revenue but um but yeah I, I think people are really excited um there's a good amount of content on there you're on there you're, you're one of my yeah, first I need to get this on there as well why not um, yeah exactly I, yeah, need, I, need well to guess, uh, I need to get more more on there um uh, for you but again just kind of reflecting on I like the fact that well, there's a number of things going on in my head it's like I think also what I what I like about this is it can also protect students because it could be actually I'd realize sales isn't for me and sales isn't for every sales isn't for everyone right that's not a bad that's not a negative it's not a bad thing you do have to be cut from a certain cloth to be able to you know to, to deal with the, the shit that comes with it right in terms of being in a and being told to go away and f off if you're starting at the bottom of the pile all the cold calling all this kind of uh, this kind of stuff and you know too often I've seen in my in my, in my recruitment and my former life even you know peers that came and joined our organization just burned out after two you know two three weeks and this just isn't for me it's like that's cool that's okay but imagine if they could get a feel for that beforehand and then they realize actually I don't want to do this at all so I'm not going to be wooed by an influencer on TikTok talking about you can make three hundred thousand dollars and yeah you can but those people are far and few between in terms of and make that kind of um that kind of cash and they've probably been doing it for a while they've probably got a base set of accounts that know them really really well but I guarantee when they first started out they were given the crappy accounts which no one wants no one be your territory's been rinsed you know time and time again in terms of in terms of what but there's this belief system that or rather the sell is that you can make and you can make good money you know take me but i i'm hugely passionate about sales i i love it as an industry and it served me extraordinary extraordinarily well to end up where i'm at in terms of doing what i'm um uh doing what i'm doing but the 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 other aspect of and i guess this is let's just be clear greg isn't web3 or metaverse or any any of that kind of thing but you know, I'm now exploring the, I've got a guest um, recording coming up called um, uh, Becky, who's a Web3 expert. And this concept of Web3 in terms of you, you own it, not the machine as it were. Because yeah, we own LinkedIn, but if LinkedIn, if Microsoft went bust, then we don't own LinkedIn, right? The fundamentals yeah, yeah. don't happen, okay? But I do like that concept, which I hadn't, I hadn't kind of also thought about, is that you can start to own your, your sales career and this is certainly speaking with the likes of patrick joyce um and um justin michael uh, their view is that eventually they see they believe the sdr role will kind of almost cease to exist and you will pick you on why do we always use kind of why do we why do we always weaponize sales but you'll become a gun for hire right but you yeah. will have your own tech stack you will have your own i see you know mixed deck can be that's that's your, your kind of your your briefcase, if you will, that you, you take around with you with everything there that you need, all the enablement, plus all the, you know, the the, the kit that you bring in. You, you can be that that person for hire to go and help somebody grow a territory and, and, and so on. And I, there's nothing out there really that I'm aware of that is there's lots of self-enablement platforms, but 
they're so expensive in terms of if you want to use an individual, typically you've got to be part of an organization to get access to it. But it's not looking at what you're trying to do is actually follow that journey, I believe, and that journey of that sales, um, documenting that sales career. Yeah, I, the, the, the gun for hire thing, and, and I've, I've spoken with Justin as well about uh, it is absolutely where it's going. And, and yeah, maybe gun for hire isn't the right phrase, but it kind of is a sort of mercenary style yeah. um, selling. And I, I kind of look almost a, like a football player you know, <clears throat> they might have come up through the farm leagues or the academies and all that, and, and they go team to team, but, like, they build their own style of play. I mean, Ronaldo has his style. It's, it's unique. I mean, the, the, even the weird way he stands before a free kick, right? He, he's got his his way of, of doing things, but each time he changes team, he tweaks to, to fit into their play, right? But he doesn't have to, it doesn't have, like, a lobotomy and start again. But that's almost what we expect, you know, historically. Some footballers like, probably should, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, you take it with you, and, I, and, and, that, and that's exactly what self-enablement is supposed to be. And, and I went further than that. That's why I think it's, it's another iteration of building on the self-guided learning, because mm-hmm. self-guided learning to me is just learning, right? It's just concepts yeah. versus doing. Um, and, it's, and, and the tech response to that has really just been to digitize the same problems that exist in workshops and classrooms. Mm-hmm. And it's you know linear courses and modules with a quiz at the end. Um, and so you've got the Udemy's and Udacity's and, and yeah. LinkedIn learning, all that kind of stuff. I, and I'm not dogging that. I just, I just think we're, it's, we're ready to move on mm-hmm. or build on it because there's always going to be room for a knowledge transfer event. But I, I think we're, we're trying to flatten that curve and make it more just continuous learning in the flow of work. Um, whereas anything with a course is it's something you do and then you finish and then you yep. kind of don't revisit. So, um, you know, Mixtech is designed as, um, you know, artists. So you and I are on there. Yep. I might change that to author, but, um, and, you know, no, we have I, mean, I want to be an artiste, please. An artiste, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can be, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you create tracks that cascade from, from albums, right? So, it's supposed to, it's got that music taxonomy deliberately because, you know, I look on my my phone here and, and the music app and, you know, I've got like a, my running playlist or relax or, yeah. or, or whatever, right? And, and there's some songs might be in both. And so the idea is you can start to construct these things with just unique little assets of content and resources. It doesn't, and that's, that's what I'm saying. It's not just learning content, it's doing content. So mm-hmm. as a salesperson, there'll be things that you need in order to do your job, like case studies and, I don't know, an NDA, right? You, you yep. probably use NDAs all the time. So to, somewhere to con- compile all this and let, build out these playlists that are, are contextual with certain types of opportunities that you're working on. And, you know, it's something that you would tweak and, and you know, perfect as you move through your career and change roles and everything. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's exactly what it's intended for. And I think, it, it, you know, tools will fall into that because the, my problem with the tech world, um, and it's, you know, ironic because I'm very much in it, is, is, is you look at like the you know Nancy Nardin does that sales tech landscape every yeah. year. Um, I think it's they're owned by SBI now or something. But um, you know, and it's all there's a million logos and it sort of grows every year yeah. because they're all just filled with venture capital, right? They're out there trying to sling licenses to each other largely. They're all these SaaS companies selling to each other. Oh, that's great. And you know, pennies on the dollar. They sell they sell it because someone knows the VP of sales at this company. 
who's never going to have to use the tech. They just force the people below them to use it and then wonder why the adoption is so low. And and then they switch the following year. And because I think people use what they choose, right? That nobody's actually asking the salesperson what they want to use. Um, And again, they switch jobs. They have to hand back all that tech anyway. So like, it's, it's no wonder that these things have such poor adoption rates. You know, and, and I think, you know, Justin's spot on in, in saying that, you know, they'll start to build their own little tech stack, an individualized tech stack. Um, and, and maybe they remain um, I-35 or something. Yeah, maybe that's the world we go into. That that would be, um, what's the American print? What kind of, uh, W-9. Or, I don't know, but I know it basically sold yeah. to independent. <laughs> the, so, yeah, yeah, the, um, yeah in, in, you know, remaining independent. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of, that's that's the world I'm, I'm trying to cater to, and I, I just you know starting with the with students because I just find it I, I just I like the purpose. And reflects on a brilliant book I've just finished called um, Digital Darwinism, the second edition by um, Tom Goodwin. You know what he was reflecting on in his writing is that what we are doing is making technology fit old processes. So he gave an example, basically an email that's like a letter this meeting looks like a meeting and if we didn't and he, he actually said go to an eight-year-old and ask them what they would do so don't give just go to an eight-year-old and ask them how would you read us you know if you had to do this if you had to get that from there to there or this would the outcome how would you go about doing it? and he said see what the outcome is and then go you know put your own brand on it and charge thousands of consulting dollars yeah. for it yeah. and put them on put them on a retainer and i believe that you know all that technology piece and the sales process per per se is that it is a lot of technology that's just stuck onto a process that somebody did 25 years ago because that's the only way and they haven't actually gone to i get so frustrated when you see people talk about talking about being biocentric so you're not biocentric at all you're forcing (laughs) the buyer through a journey that fits you fits your your agenda not um uh, not their agenda which then comes full circle back to actually helping students actually maybe reinvent sales processes or reinvent reinvent how things are um are done notwithstanding the whole sas to sas sales things retention rates are absolutely catastrophic for most uh for most part if they get a year under belt then they're um they're good they're certainly not going to get three which is why um marcus kalki believes that sellers should be rewarded on year three renewal <laughs> and right. then again so well that will incentivize different a different behavior right to keep yeah. people happy and on the on the um on the platform but then picking up again back to the mixed step piece around the way that it enables you to kind of cure similar to you know, you're not a spotify yet a sales enablement but i know that's the um the the vision because yeah what is also great about you know spotify for example is that not only can you curate your your tracks that are for that that mood it will suggest other music to you that you would, that, I mean, I, I've come across artists that I'd never even, you know, consider because back in the day when none of this existed, you went to, you went to HMV or Tower Records and you just stuck to what you know. You wouldn't risk paying 14 quid for a CD if you weren't sure that it was going to be any, um, any good. Whereas now with the technology that has us, and that also opens your mind to, other ideas, other thoughts, rather than religiously following Sandler or religiously following yeah. Challenger. Because you can take a bit of that works for me, a bit of that works for me, and a bit of that works for me. And to your point, Frankenhack, the whole thing to be Greg's own um, sales methodology wrapped, uh, wrapped around that. 
Now, I'm going to be massively unfair now because as we've been talking and my brain's been going, and I touched on Web3, and I, sh- I shouldn't go down this route. It's not fair. And we didn't ask. I don't give my guests many much prep anyway because I want, them to be, I want this to be as natural as possible. However, um, one can't ignore kind of virtual reality and AR as a learning mechanism, as a learning pathway, if you will, or, or as a medium to learn. And f- I'm, now you know where I'm going with this. I'm going to keep waffling a bit longer to give you time to shape some, uh, shape some <laughs> a little panic. Greg's rolling his eyes at me, going, Alex, you dick, why are you asking me this question? Um, do you, and I don't know the answer, by the way. I'm, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Do you believe that, I'm not talking metaverse here, I'm talking virtual reality as, as the medium has a place in coaching learning development from purely from a sales perspective and as i've asked that question you said something to me earlier in the podcast which i'm not going to go with but i think i may have a bit of an answer yeah um no it's an interesting question i think there's a million ways you could answer first i don't think anyone knows um if they did they'd be very wealthy wouldn't they um but uh i think obviously it will i mean techs you know we're always going to get more techie, aren't we? It's not yeah. like an industry will just ignore things. No, nobody's held out against the internet except Primark. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, um, so inevitably we'll embrace it in some way. I, I don't know if it's going to be sort of iRobot, you know, yeah. you know sort of these machines selling to people. The one area I thought, you know, because I'm you know, working for Imparta, we're obviously to do with performance improvement, learning and development, um, more so than like, executing sales like you know like the the power dialers or selling yeah, yeah. you mentioned sales loft and things like that we're more on l d so that i have been sort of trying to tackle that and i think one area is kind of the coaching at scale and some companies are heading that direction if you look at chorus and gong and all that right mm-hmm. they're, they're recording calls you know i i think w- what they're doing is just gathering data yeah and they're gathering real data too you know, one of the, the best way you can learn to sell, I think, um, beyond the baptism by fire is through role play mm-hmm. practice, right? <clears throat> you know, sales is very unique in that we do, you know, sort of, I don't know if you can, like that much practice and that much doing. I don't know if this is, if people can see the videos on your Well, they can't, they're listening to it, can they, Greg? So what Greg okay. is doing well, a very small <laughs> amount of practice. An inch for practice. For those of you that can brain, the neural networks that implant <laughs> yeah. in your brain yeah. and visualize this. So well, yes, basically, there are people seeing this, Greg, well done. There are also people <laughs> listening in the ether. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so the, the ratio is basically off. We, we do bugger all practice and we just yeah. dive right in, whereas, you know, football or, boxing or music yep. whatever uh, it, it's almost entirely practice and a tiny amount of actually perform, actual yep. performance and so there's a huge deficit there and, and i think virtual reality you, know, you can use the data that's out there that systems like gong are mm-hmm. collecting and you can use maybe it's ar more than vr but to take yeah. that and create um learning at scale mechanism i mean i i could i could have a a fake, you know, a VR based or an, you know, sort of a machine learning based conversation with a bot, yeah. but the bots gathering real conversations that's actually happened. You see, you see what I mean? So I, I think yeah. it's going to be used to augment things that we already do mm-hmm. uh, versus replace anything that we do. Yeah. I think um, from a learning and from the LMD perspective, I don't know if that was the sort of wishy washy answer. Yeah, no, it's not. It's good. You know, no one, no one knows the answer. Um, I, as, as I was thinking, I think um, I believe that I think role playing 
in a kind of VR environment. And I think this will be different, different sales and you know, different, it'll be more relevant for some kind of sales industries than it will be, um, will be others. I believe kind of role playing scenarios in VR provided the, and the avatars are getting pretty good now, um, you know, in, in that uh, in, environment. But I hadn't, you know, the AR piece is an interesting one because certainly customer service organizations, I think AB and AMRO, um, one of the big banks are doing this with their customer service reps. And I think it's on a Microsoft platform that it's hearing the conversation in real time and then encouraging them to go, oh, they said this word, holiday, upsell them an insurance product. Well, they said this word, you know, upsell them. Well, have they thought about thought about this and that kind of that real time stuff? But yeah, AR, I can kind of almost see that taking it the next the next level, not only that, but it's surfacing, you know, information from this is the marketing material they've received. This is what they've been. So you kind of got a quasi minority report ish in environment. I guess the, the the next challenge around this, I saw the other day that they now have some companies actually managed to get AR contact lenses working, which is insane. If you, those of you watch Black Mirror, remember that episode or all Black yeah. episodes tend to end badly. Um, but that yeah. was, not, was not a great ending. I guess it's the, the the next, and this is also where I'm seeing kind of sales generally needing to go on the technology piece, is the assimilation of data in real time. Because where, and this is kind of the old guard versus the new guard, and I hate kind of putting, you know, that whole generational thing. It's actually, it's across all pieces. But back in the day when you didn't have access to all this information, and it was just, you know, trial by fire. It was Glen Gary, Glen Ross. It was just phones, and that's all you, you could do. And having meetings on the on the on the golf course, as, as it were, is that this? I have this is my opinion, but I have a sense that there's so much data out there that a lot of reps are just overwhelmed by it, and they don't even know how to assimilate it, how to what to do with it, what that then means in terms of doing the thing next, because they're being, and this comes back to being a student to sales and doing this before you get in, get into the industry, is that. You know, if you are on one piece of technology, as you've touched about, that piece of technology is the only way to sell, if that makes sense. And it has to be done with this number of emails, this number, you know, multiple touch points, blah, 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 and open rates, close rates, center rates, all this kind of stuff. And then I feel, I feel for these individuals. They're sitting there each day going, well, what am I just going to tweak that button a bit and do that button a bit, rather than actually, for the most part, you need humans in a sales process. Yeah, okay, the low volume, high volume, the high volume, low value stuff, I get it. You know, you know, I could go and um, you know, buy 100 Salesforce licenses today and not even need to talk to Salesforce or sales have licenses, not even talk to um, talk to LinkedIn. But as you start to move up the scale, you know, humans are going to be involved at some, at some point in time. And that, again, coming back to kind of what Mixtech and why I'm just, I think it's such a great thing that you're doing that you can start to coach people like from day one that yes technology is an enabler but you shouldn't rely on it i'm now um uh, i'm now waffling um anyway uh, I, think you, I think you got the sense of what i was about no i do and i think i think you're circling this term that's I, i've heard banding or banded around and, and indeed i've sort of plagiarized a little bit but it's decision intelligence and it's like okay. it, so like we live in this big data world and i think we're at this point of well now what <laughs> so yeah i've got, I've got it in a dashboard and i'm like oh god there's so much data i don't even know what to do with this and it's using technology to, to make a decision i'm going to plagiarize that as well decision go for it yeah um yeah i really like i can't remember where i heard it but um i, I really liked that and I love analogies, and I'm, I'm not very good at coming up with them. But what I thought of was like, um, if you think about a car, like in I don't know, let's say in the 
like a Porsche in the 70s and, and you're driving down the autobahn, uh, it's so manual, right? You, you've got yep. your, your dashboard, the clocks, you, you, you're looking at everything. It's obviously going to be a, a manual gearbox and you know, there's a turn coming up. You're looking at the speed, speed limit, you're looking at your speed. You're having to do everything. Yep. And, you know, you've got the data and then you do the so what. Um, a lot of cars now, particularly when you're looking at like the world of Tesla and stuff like that, they're sort of looking at that data and then and then doing the thing yep. for you. You know, like there's a car up in front, it's going to slow down, or even keeping you in your lane, mm -hmm. which is really weird when the steering wheel does. Um, so, so it's going that next step, and I think that's where tech is going. But yeah, I don't. I mean, it maybe that maybe driving's a bad example. Because you'll go to. No, but I get, I get what I get what you're saying because it's you know it's like a sports car in terms of you turn traction control for Ferrari. You and I are going to put it, you know, put it in a bent, put it in the wall. You turn traction control, we can pin it around a corner at 100 miles an hour on a racetrack. Yeah. Whilst we're not caught, I mean, you, you may well be. I'm certainly not. The car will do most of the. Yeah. The decision for you whereas back on your analogy of the old porsche you have to manage yeah the understeer oversteer what gear you're going in and so on yet there still has to be the the human still fundamentally will make those you know the the decisions but now it's about being augmented by and i talked to i touched this the other day in terms of my post on barbecue is that i still feel that and i, I kind of well, i i I kind of move different directions on this is, but you need to know what to do next based on, on the data, but don't necessarily always trust what the data is saying. I do feel that's just hard for, you know, if you're early on, or early on in a career, but sometimes it's like you look at it and go, yeah, I know it's telling me that, but you've helped me shrink down the options I'm going to go for, but still my instinct still is leaning to one, the one you're least recommending because yeah. I've got other stuff in my head through experience that actually, now I know that I've got that in the back of my mind, but actually I'm going to go, you know, go, go this route. So I guess it's a bit yeah. like, you know, football, you know, going back to the football analogy, they always think, you know, goalkeepers study people, you know, penalty takers, but everyone's always trying to second guess in terms of what way they're going to, um, going to go. But that yeah, intelligence piece, I think is, is an interesting, it's an interesting. Yeah. But yeah, that's quite, that's quite interesting. It's like that. This data can provide a, a confidence rating, and then you make the final oh, yeah, decision. Yeah. It's like it's like booking a kayak, you know, and it, it gives you buy now or don't buy that. You know, wait, you know, buying a the old scarcity uh, tactic in terms. Yeah, of people and, are like, already looking at this right now. It's like, are yeah. they really? <laughs> and, and I watched that film um, Sully the other day about the. You know, I haven't seen it. The airline pilot landed yeah, on the Hudson. Land on the Hudson. Yeah, and um, you know, there's a, the, the, the court case that kind of unfolded from that was like, you know. The computer says you should always do that. You know, he did he do the right thing? He could have made it to Newark or whatever, whichever yeah. other airport in New York, um, but it never took into account the human element of yeah. the situation, the emotion. It's like it's all very well comparing it to a computer that you programmed for that <laughs> exact scenario to, to say a split, but like it, it doesn't take into account the other elements. And I thought that's a really good example of you know, obviously playing the dashboard on a plane is just incredibly confusing for someone like me who doesn't understand flying um so he has to take all of that and the fact that he's got 200 people behind him and there's other planes in the sky there's a city right there you know all these different variables yeah, all the determining the determining yeah. factors, and so i think i think sales is is like that and you talked earlier about these methodologies that want you to go through this rigid process and i just think those days are over of you know i've worked with another methodology company where their methodology was built around the chevrons right yeah. you do this and you have to do these things and there's a, they call, you know, a verifiable outcome and then you can't even in their tech you can't even move on to the next stage and so you've done these things and it's so naive and 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 i'm not 
on this to plug in parts, but something that's really cool with, with ours is we, we, we kind of break that apart. You've got, you know, it's, it's more of a matrix of things you can choose mm -hmm. to, to, you know, build, build your case for, for selling a deal versus this really strict linear thing that you have to do. Um, yeah, because that just it sort of ignores the human bit the from human. both sides, the, the buyer and the seller. And that's the thing. There are, there are two people on, on either side of this. Mm -hmm. Greg, we could talk for hours. Um, yes. Absolute <laughs> pleasure. Uh, I will put the varying links to um, where we're in the, not the chat, because yeah. this is live, but in the thing and on the, on the podcast. So if people want to reach out to you on LinkedIn, is that the best place yeah. to? Yeah, probably. You? Yeah, you can get me at greg at mixtech.io or LinkedIn is probably best. Cool. And so if you do, if you do uh, contact Greg, please mention the podcast in terms of if you listen to it and you want to learn more. I highly recommend you have a look at Mixtech, um, especially those of you are of an age where you've got kids who are, you know, university, university stage. Um, absolutely worth um, having a, uh, a look at. I just had a thought in my head. I'm going to speak to the chief digital officer at Exeter University, who I knew very well for you, Greg, to see what we can do there. Um, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, you know what to do. If you want to recommend people to be on the podcast, you know, you know what to do. Everyone knows where to find me. Um, but uh, for now, Greg, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time uh, and input and also what you're doing in terms of your, your passion project, Mixed Next. So uh, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thanks for having me.